Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Cart Overflow podcast. Again, it's good to chat with you again. Jeremy, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing great, thanks. I'm excited to get to episode two. Yeah, me too. I was listening to episode one, and I did realize that we, we missed an important opportunity. Uh, we, we didn't give any intro or any background on ourselves. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? For sure, yeah. So I, I guess digital marketing by trade, I've been doing it for 10 years, uh, both e-commerce and SaaS. We met, uh, you were founding Forecastly, and I was at Jungle Scout Amazon product research tool, helping entrepreneurs find products to sell on Amazon. Uh, was early at the company there, took the marketing from founder, CEO, Greg Mercer, and then helped lead the marketing for just under four years, left last year to start my own thing, which is uh, to help B2B SaaS companies reduce churn. So it's really a focus on email and onboarding and helping extend lifetime value for recurring revenue SaaS businesses, software businesses, and now kind of also moving in towards e-commerce because uh, that's really where a lot of e-commerce companies have trouble is to find the second, third, the, the subscription customers. And uh, that's where I've started to focus as well, uh, because I think a lot of the principles of digital marketing apply both from software and product, physical products and e-commerce. So uh, really knee deep in marketing. And uh, it's, it's what I love. And I think it's uh, where we connect. And I think kind of coming together, having those conversations was a genesis of this podcast. I look back or think back to many of our conversations and thinking, oh man, you know what? We should really be recording this right now. There's yeah. some good stuff's coming out of this. Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Uh, so a, l- a little bit about myself as it pertains to e-commerce. I started selling specifically as an Amazon-centric retailer, a company called Honest Office, probably about 10 years ago now. I don't know the exact start date. I was doing it part-time, then I moved to full-time and moved off of Amazon, a combination of Amazon and I was running a Magento store at the time uh, and selling on a couple other marketplaces. I ran Honest Office for a while full-time after that. We sold predominantly office supplies and then we started to branch out into pet supplies, uh, but it was wholesale retailer. So I was selling other brands products and I realized, yeah, I really need my own brand. And then I built another e-commerce company called Modesca. We focused on high-end office products. So same in the same arena, arena I knew, but building out uh, a Shopify store and focusing on building a brand and building a community around that brand. Uh, and at that point I was on Amazon. I, st- I continued to sell on Amazon and I kept running out of stock. I was selling via FBA, fulfillment by Amazon. And I started a software company that you mentioned again, which was Forecastly. Ran that for a couple of years, built it up. And then we were acquired by Jungle Scout. You and I had crossed paths before that. Uh, Greg had introduced us. I was immediately impressed with Gen and uh, everything that he had to say about marketing, all the mistakes I was making. I still remember you pointing out, wait, you don't even have a lead magnet on this page. Why is somebody giving give you their email address? But, there uh, were good things, yes. Jeremy, too. <laughs> Thanks, Gen. <laughs> wasn't just there to tear you down. Thank you. Yeah, so then uh, we worked together for a while at Jungle Scout. That brought us pretty much to hear where we're at today. All right. And so today is a little bit of a hypothetical, but something that I think a lot of e-commerce companies go through. And that's at the very early stages. 
starting to get some sales, starting to get some traction. All right, we're going to grow. Let's scale up the marketing. What do you do? All right, well, you need to expand your bandwidth and bring people on. And so the question that I asked to you is, who would your first hire be? What types of skills would you look for? And where would you go? And let's say, for example, that you've allocated a $60,000 budget per year. And I think like Perfect. that will allow you for a multi-tool player in any space. But the question to you, and we've, we have not discussed this before, so I have no idea what your answer is going to be. Uh, I have my own thoughts, but would love for you to discuss it. And then let's kind of like figure out where we'd put that 60000 for the highest ROI. So I'll put it to you. What would you be looking for? I thought it was a great question. These discussions are, are, are always fun. A couple other assumptions that I think are important for listeners to know. I'm trying to build a brand. So I'm selling my own branded products is what I assumed. Mm-hmm. We did, You and I didn't talk about that, but that's kind of how I took it. And also you mentioned a $60,000 budget. Let's just say it's a bootstrapped company or it's self-funded. You're at the point where you're ready to hire. So you have some cash flow, but you're not ready to hire an entire marketing team. I also said to you, all right, but you're not allowed to hire. You can't just say full stack, right? Sure. I'm going to yeah. hire a full stack marketer. This was tough. I had a lot of thoughts flowing through my head and I want to hire basically a content master, somebody that's a ninja at storytelling that can actually take my brand story, build it into something that people want to listen to that's immediately intriguing and build content off of that. I'm a big believer that you heard me say already in this episode and plenty of times in the last episode, uh, the importance of building a brand. We have to build an audience and a community around that brand. Without that audience, what's the point? I think the content master is where to start. Now, that's pretty broad, right? I mean, what do you think of when you say when I say content? Written content, somebody who can crank out articles. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking of too. Somebody that could you know, potentially work with a video team. Video team you, at that size, you can probably outsource. You know, bring somebody in to help you out. Definitely build lead magnets, build articles, uh, build a social media following. All this stuff's really important. What do you think about my answer? <laughs> I think your answer is okay. I've never seen a job posting for a content master, so we'll have to figure out what that job looking. <laughs> well, we can call it a content <laughs> or content, content ninja. Manager. I mean, like I thought that was so 2018, but whatever. Um, so I'm thinking, all right, I want to drive sales. Like that's my primary goal, and beyond that, not just sales, but repeat customers, and. So I think within that, there are two things that are most important. That's to capture attention and then convert that attention into customers. So I think the most important thing basically to take what you're saying and be more specific, I think it's copywriter. And I think one of the main nuances there is when you say content master, that's like, all right, I'm going to put out a lot of like bulk content. And no, yeah, just to clarify, that is very important again. Like just to clarify, I want somebody that can tell a story. Quality is better than quantity. Sure. Um, it's yeah. not about putting out 100 articles a month or even 10 articles a month. All right. So yeah, we're on the same page. I think that there is a direct correlation of copywriting skill to conversion rate, but I don't know if you can say the same to content. And and again, it's it's about the nuance of the definition. I think if you're talking about 
like a brand telling the story of a brand that's hard to quantify in the same way that copywriting can be hard to quantify. But I think you narrow your skill set to bring in the right applications, job applications, to find the right skill set of a copywriter as opposed to a storyteller. Uh, and, and I think what's interesting too, storyteller, what's good is that it is multifaceted. A story these days is told through audio, you know, this podcast or video, YouTube marketing or text, you know, and, and I think text has uh, a lot of applications. But yeah, so my answer is let's look for a copywriter. And I think that there are some things I think brand building a brand and the storytelling is one of the most important pillars, especially in the early stages. Uh, And I think that there's an educational component to help visitors understand what the product is. But then there's taking that visitor and creating some action and building an emotional connection between the brand and the visitor to help the visitor understand what the upside is, what happens on the other side of purchasing that product. That emotional connection was exactly what I was trying to get to. You know, th- there are those brands out there where, and everybody is different, so everyone's going to have different examples, but you see, either you see an ad, you see a social media post, you see a story or a video, and you know, something just hits home, right? Like, oh, wow. I don't know a whole lot about this brand, but I really like what they have to offer. Um, and, and that's what I think it's really important to get to, basically to get to. You know, yeah. Easier said than done. There's a lot that goes into that. I think that's important to start. You want to get headed in that direction as early as possible within your first hire. Sure. Okay, then let's get more specific. So you have your first hire. What would what would you expect of that person in the first, say, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? What are the deliverables you're looking for? Can we take one step back real quick? Yeah. Let's think about this a, a little bit. I went back and forth. You know, this was not an easy answer. What were the downsides in your mind to hiring a copywriter this early as the very first marketing hire? I think it's an argument of left brain and right brain. I think a lot of DTC brands will rely on paid ads in order to get that first traffic. And, and again, that's assuming that there's some understanding of what the cost per acquisition is and, and yes. what the, the thresholds of spend can be while still remaining profitable. And so I think that's the, the part where a copywriter might not have this skill set. And, and that's to understand the quantitative side of running a, a paid program uh, and understanding like the putting, putting it all together. I think creating the story and distilling down what the customer's needs are really well in a way that captures the attention is a super important skill, but then getting in front of the right people and at the right price um, and understanding like what levers to pull is challenging. But the caveat mm-hmm. is these days, I think, you know, Facebook, for example, the automated targeting is I think so precise and fine tuned that it is easier to let the algorithm do its thing and then work from there. Mm-hmm. There were two other possibilities for me, an SEO specialist, which then goes back to a copywriter. I mean, that's kind of, that can be tied together. A copywriter could have SEO skills. Um, but then there was, I immediately looked to paid ads. 
do I hire somebody that is an expert in paid advertisement? For a lot of the same reasons that you just listed off, I, I went with copywriter first. You went with content master, Jeremy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> In my mind, I was thinking the same thing. Basically, a copywriter, somebody that can tell a story. I think the downside in my mind or what I was concerned about is, all right, am I? it takes a long time to build an audience. It, talk, it takes a long time to get SEO traction. Are we going to be able to drive revenue with the additional money that I'm spending on payroll every month? That's the risk. I think that we have here, especially if you're a bootstrap startup or a self-funded startup, are you going to be able to drive revenue pretty quickly with a copywriter or a content master, whatever you want to call <laughs> that person? That's definitely a concern. But if you think about what the most important assets are to drive that revenue, I think a someone who is skilled in copywriting, their fingerprints are all over that. And so that's the website copy. That's the ad copy to hook in users. Uh, that's the emails that are going out. Obviously, e-commerce brands rely on emails for conversions. Uh, even to get the conversion, that's, that's a copywriter's job. Uh, and then also, I think, video scripts. So video scripts and content in order to drive organic traffic. So the copywriter, I think, is, while not being a multidisciplinary player per se, they have the skills to fill those gaps, I think, that are most important in the early stages. Yeah, I agree with that. And then one thing I think implicit in copy, like I think I'm not a copywriter, but I think some of the best copywriters do to start the whole process is just understanding their audience, knowing who they're talking to. And that's kind of mining the existing data that's doing the interviews with their customers or prospects. That's just understanding where there are objections, what the goals are, what the desires are, and then creating a, a, basically the foundation, I think, that the whole brand can jump off of. And then we get into what you're talking about with brand storytelling, because there's always that compass that the copywriter has put together based on the research. So that's a, kind of an invisible skill, or that's an important thing that a really good copywriter will bring that'll have ramifications for the years to come. I completely agree with that. If you don't have a solid foundation to, to build your marketing program on, everything else tends to be less efficient. I talk about a lot about this with domain names because I, I invest in domain names. And there are lots of potential ramifications for picking the wrong domain name. However, in this particular example, if you have someone going to Google, a potential customer searching for your brand name on Google and then potentially ending up on someone else's site because they have a similar domain name, that's a serious problem. If you don't have a solid foundation, so in this example, I'm talking about a domain name. If you don't have a good domain name, all of the additional marketing, especially paid advertising, becomes less efficient. Uh, and, and you want those to use your phrase again, that foundation to be in place from the beginning. Sure. For, so it's in there for additional hires down the road. So you had a question for me before. You want to uh, pose it again? Yeah. So you, you hire the, the key person that you're looking for. What are they doing in the first one month, two months, three months? And then how are you measuring their ROI or how helpful they are? That's a really good question with a lot of different answers. What first comes to mind, and just to point out, this was 
so everyone knows like this is not pre-planned what first comes to my mind is in our example like this is an existing brand that you've been running as a founder and now you're ready to hire uh, someone on your marketing team uh, to help you grow it so you do have some type of brand and there is a story there but pointing out all right what are the holes in the story how are your customers already basically viewing your brand and then it's you had mentioned previously what are the specifics of that customer base? What does your average customer look like? What do they like about your brand? Is there anything they dislike about your brand? Are there people that dislike your brand? So people that are not purchasing, and if so, why? What are your competitors' stories? Well, what is, what are the pros and cons of those brands? It's important to know, all right, what is the environment that the brand currently sits in? Sure. That's really, really important. Actually, it's really important no matter if you're a software company or an e-commerce company or a brick and mortar store. What is that environment around you? Customers are going to perceive your brand one way or another. And a lot of times that's significantly influenced by that environment. So to answer your question, yeah, I would spend a lot of time right from the start focusing on what is the current environment? What is, what are the strengths and weaknesses of the current brand uh, and then developing that story. But I do think like you can only do so much research and you start, you need to take action right away. Sure. Get something out there, test it, see how it resonates. The best way to succeed is to make mistakes and then iterate and improve. I didn't answer your ROI question. Before we talk about ROI, what would you do uh, right from the start in that first month or two? Yeah, I think I would be the first month is, I think, research. So that's basically the same thing that you're saying. Um, and so it's it's about the customers, it's about the competitors, it's about the product itself. And I think it's like customers, I think, is one of the most important parts because you kind of want to create some you know, ideal customer personas of maybe two or three different types in order to feed, you know, the, the future email campaigns or website or, or landing pages, uh, so that's I think the first step uh, is to understand who you're writing for, and then I think how you're going to differentiate. And this kind of touches on what we discussed last week about the the changing landscape of e-commerce brands, and there is actually a lot of competition. So the the barriers to entry are perhaps getting lower uh, and there's there's more noise, so to speak. So finding ways to differentiate, I think, is really important. So understanding first where you stand amidst the competition and then how to separate, how to create some separation. And so that, I think I think that's where copywriters will bring a lot of value and it'll start with the research and, and a really deep understanding of the landscape. So we're, we're on the same page there. In terms of ROI, I, I kind of just ask that almost rhetorically. I don't think that it's fair to expect that in the first month or two, unless you're already running paid ads and you, you say, all right, this is what we're currently running, which we'll call the control. Let's see what you can do with your approach, completely different, you know, whether it's creative or, or the, the copy, the targeting, whatever. And then that's that's that delta there is maybe how you could see what the ROI is when you extrapolate out over 12 months, say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, like you, am a 
big believer in return on investment and then also key key performance indicators or goals. Right? I think you need to take a, a long-term goal and break it down into shorter-term goals. If we want to get into specifics, there would be some type of a research goal. All right, you need to we need to build out a presentation of the current environment, customer base, how folks are viewing us, and then take that, build a story off that. Okay, the story, our brand story should be V1 by this date. I would say probably a month out. Like it's not going to take that long to get the first version of, of the brand story. Sure. And then at that point, build upon that. You did a, you did bring up a good point there though, again, and, and I want to hit on that. You said if you're running paid ads currently, right, there will be some type of a baseline. Is your view or is your vision to have this copywriter immediately be working on paid advertisement for you? Well, immediately after they have a good sense of who they're speaking to. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that is definitely within the wheelhouse of the copywriter, which is to get, get the right headlines in front of the right audience. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so, like I said, you know, you're, you're competing with a lot of similar brands and you need to stand out in some ways. And I think it doesn't even need to be some clever, witty headlines, but it needs to be something that resonates with the, the end reader. And so would you build out the, basically like the functionality, let's say we're using Facebook, like, all right, here's the audience who we're serving these ads to. It could be retargeting. Like you would set them all up and then have that copywriter write the actual copy for the ads. Or would you be comfortable handing that over to somebody else? That's again, implicit in this first hire is that attitude and integrity and trust are super important. And, uh, you know, you've been at a super early stage company and, and I have as well. And I think that we can say that we're hiring for copywriter or a content ninja, but in reality, the the scope of what this person is going to be doing is far greater than that. If the team is really that small. And so you kind of need to, I think, be comfortable handing over the keys, both from a trust perspective, but then also a a decision-making perspective that you can implicitly trust this early stage hire to kind of, first of all, prioritize what needs to be focused on, and then that they can execute in a way that would mirror what what your standards and expectations are. Mm -hmm. I think that's where we might differ a a little bit. This is really tough because it's completely conceptual. Anybody that's listening, I mean, this is highly debatable. We don't know exactly who the person is that that we hired. It's going to depend on who we hire for the position. However, just thinking about my view of who I was hiring, I would likely continue to handle the fundamentals of the advertising, but I wouldn't be writing any of the copy. I would then hand that copy over because number one, I'm not good at copywriting, but number two, we just spent a lot of money hiring a professional copywriter. Like let's bring that person in and see if they can make an impact and then potentially hand that over. There are a lot of ins and outs of digital ads and if campaigns aren't set up properly, I've seen them. I've seen a lot of money get wasted. Sure. And I would be nervous about that, uh, yeah. depending on that person's background. But once again, highly conceptual. We don't know exactly who we're hiring. As far as when I thought about it, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. All right. So wrapping up, how would you evaluate this person? And again, neither of us are copywriters, but we we might know it when we see it. 
do you have any tips or suggestions on how you would be judging who is the right person based on their portfolio? Not evaluating after the hi- once they're hired. You're thinking, all right, we're going through the interview process. What am I looking out for? Yeah, you see a whole a whole bunch of pages of their different portfolios. This particular case, I want to look at past performance. You, know, you could sit in an interview and for an hour and fake a lot of it. You can fool me in one interview. However, I can see a lot of your past performance. What was your role at this company where you claimed to be the lead copywriter? Show me the articles that, that you wrote. Did you build a brand story? If so, let's hear it. Do you have any brand assets to, to show? What did you personally build out? And, and I think a lot of companies skip that. You know, they look at personality and they look how somebody performs in an interview. I want to see actual historical performance and examples. Was it was something written by a team or did you personally write this article and build this brand story and you were the only person on the team at that time to get the brand to the place that it is today or in this case, e-commerce site? In this particular role, like I don't think I need an e-commerce specific copywriter. Like They could have come from software uh, or they could have come from a blog. That I didn't have that in my mind. What would your answer be here? You know, what are you looking for with this hire? Yeah, in the portfolio, we'd look for, you know, let's just take a landing page as an example, that the headline is magnetic, that it has the ability to, like, in a, in a very short way, capture attention and curiosity. And I think it's important that that's where copywriters excel, is, like, not everything needs to be condensed into one line it's more about was it david ogilvy or something it's you know the point of the first line is to read the second line the point of the second line is to read the third and that's to kind of continue to reel them in and i think a good copywriter's portfolio would just have me clicking through of more and more and more stuff just because it it resonates and so i think that's where it's tricky where it doesn't have to be a lot of fancy words it doesn't it shouldn't be a lot of jargon jargon and cliches and long sentences, but it should be short, punchy things that actually get me excited or interested to read more. So I think that's kind of a, a difficult smell test, so, so to speak. It's hard to quantify, but I think, you, again, you, you know a good headline or good copy because it wants you reading more. Uh, and I think also there's something about structuring and formatting. And I think about how newspaper journalists might write and it's, you know, like everything is captured as much as possible in the headline. And then it goes down, down, down into more detail and kind of like um, a funnel type formatting. Uh, So I think in general, it's, yeah, clarity, uh, being concise uh, and in some way creating some sense of urgency in the copy. Um, so those are, those are some of the things that I would look for. That's a great answer. Yeah. I, you got into the nitty gritty. I skirted around that quite a bit, but I agree with you. I was thinking, does the copy resonate? Do I think the copy is going to resonate with the target audience? I may or may not be in the target audience uh, or whatever that portfolio example is. Do, did they use good copy that's resonating, but also 
the brand story? Do they have the ability to tell a story? So in their examples, are they telling a story? And that's a skill. That's a, an acquired skill for sure. And some people are really good at it and others can write a good article, but it doesn't tell a good story. Uh, in my mind, you have to be able to tell a quality story. But I, I think one good way now for talking, all right, how are we going to actually vet for that? The way that Greg hired and, and he's, he was just hiring for his first marketer when I applied, I was a customer of Jungle Scout first. There's a little PS in the email like, hey, you growth marketer, we're hiring. And I was like, hell yeah, I want to I want to reply. So his project was write a blog post on, you know, he was launching Review Kick or Jump Send at the time, write, write an article, like kind of a breakdown of the competition. And I think that that was actually a really good way to vet who, who you'd be bringing on. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, for example, write for the About Us page or a mission statement or you know, a manifesto, but it, it forces a person to put a little bit of time and effort in and demonstrate that they, A, have the skills to do so, and then B, have actually some understanding and put some effort into understanding you specifically. And then that's just like, all right, do they, do they get us? And I think like at a base level, you want that person who does have an understanding and can execute on that. And then that gets back to what you were saying about performance. Yeah, they, they, they can actually do the job that they're talking about as opposed to just sit across from the table or on a Zoom call and paint a nice verbal picture. You brought up a, a bunch of good points there. Number one that I think is really important to reiterate is reaching out to your existing audience first. So if you are an existing brand, you're an existing site, reach out to your customer base to see if there's anyone out there that fits the profile you're looking for. And then number two is having them run through an exercise. We do this a lot currently, and I've done this in previous jobs, and I've seen you do it yourself. Have the interviewer run through an exercise. So in this case, yeah, you brought up the example of either running an article or something like that. And I think that's a great example. I might have them write a couple paid ads. I would have specific examples. All right, here's our tar- here's the audience we're going after on Facebook. They have been to our site before. They didn't purchase. Write me three different Facebook ads that you think would would hit home. Well, hopefully our listeners have gotten something actionable out of this week's episode. I think we covered a lot today. That's right. So basically hiring, in our opinion, I think you, you phrase it differently, somebody who can tell the brand story and communicate in in words, distill what the customers are looking for, what their objections are and their goals and desires or hopes, and then how, how the product can actually bridge the gap from where they're currently at to their desired end state. And I think we both agree that copywriters, somebody who has a mastery of language and empathy and customer understanding can help to capture that attention and then convert customers. So you're going to see you know, a direct correlation of the copywriting on the site to the conversion rate of those who come and visit and ultimately purchase. Well, I think that just about wraps it. All right. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Yep. Thanks.